Chapter Fifteen of Slave Planet by Lawrence M. Janifer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of course, there was Norma, Dodd told himself. There was Norma to make everything worthwhile. Except that Norma needed something too, and he couldn't provide it. No one could provide it, not as long as no one was allowed off planet. And it was quite certain, Dodd told himself gloomily, that the restrictions that had been in force yesterday were going to look like freedom and carefree joy compared with the ones going into effect tomorrow or next week. If, of course, there was going to be a tomorrow. That, he thought, was always in doubt. He managed sometimes to find a sort of illusory peace in thinking of himself as dead, scattered into component atoms finished forever unconscious no longer wanting anything no longer seeing the blinking words in his mind somewhere in his brain a small germ stirred redly against the prospect but he tried to ignore it that was no more than brute self-preservation incapable of reasoning that was no more than human nature and human nature he knew with terror was about to be overthrown once more it was only human, after all, to find the cheapest way to do necessary work. It was only human to want the profits high and the costs low. It was only human to look on other races as congenitally inferior, as less than man in any possible sense, as materials, in fact, to be used. That was certainly human. Centuries of bloody experience proved it. But the Confederation didn't want to recognize human nature. The Confederation didn't like slavery. The rumor he'd heard from Norma was barely rumor any more. Instead, it had become the next thing to an officially announced fact. Everyone knew it, even if next to no one spoke of it. The Confederation was going to send ships. Had probably sent ships already. There was going to be a war. The very word war roused that red spark of self-preservation. It was harder, Dodd had found, to live with hope than to live without it. It was always possible to become resigned to a given state of affairs. But not if he kept thinking matters would improve. So he stamped on the spark, kept it down, ignored it. You had to accept things and go on from there. It was too bad Norma didn't know that. He tried to tell her, of course. They'd even been talking, over in Building One, on the very night of the near escape. He'd explained it all very clearly and lucidly, without passion. Since he had cut himself off from hope, he found he had very few passions of any kind left, and that made it easy. But she hadn't been convinced. "'As long as there's a fighting chance to live, I want to live,' she'd said." As long as there's any chance at all. The same as you. I know what I want, he told her grimly. What? she asked and smiled. Do you like what you're doing? Do you like what I'm doing? What the whole arrangement is here? He shrugged. You know I don't. Then get out of it, she said, still smiling. All you have to do is stop living. Just like that, no more trouble. Don't be silly. It can be done, she went on flatly. 
There are hundreds of ways. Then the smile again. But you'd rather live, Johnny. You'd rather live even this way, being a slaver, than put an end to it and to yourself. He paused. It's not the same thing. No, she said. This way, you'd have to do the killing yourself. When the ships come, you can let them do it for you. Just sit and wait for someone to kill you, like a cataleptic. But you won't, Johnny. I will, he said. She shook her head, the smile remaining. Her voice was quiet and calm, but there was a feeling of strain in it. There was strain everywhere now. Everyone looked at the sky and saw nothing. Everyone listened for the sound of engines, and there were no engines to hear. Catalepsy is a kind of death, Johnny, and you'll have to inflict that much on yourself. You won't do it. You think I... He stopped and swallowed. You think I like living this way, don't you? I think you like living, Norma said. I think we all do, no matter how rough it gets. No matter how it grates on the nerves, or the flesh, or the supersensitive conscience. And I know how you feel, Johnny. I do. I... She stopped very suddenly. He heard his voice say, I love you. There was a silence. Johnny, she said, and her hands reached out for him blindly. He saw, incredibly, tears like jewels at the corners of her eyes. Johnny. It was at that moment that the alarm bell rang. It was heard only faintly in Building One. But that didn't matter. Dodd knew the direction and the sound. He turned to go, for a second, no more than a machine. Norma's voice said, Escape? He came back to her. I... The alarm tripped off. This time they must have tried it through the front door or a window. The last one must have tunneled through. He had to leave her. Instead, he stood silently for a second. She said nothing. There are spots the steel's never covered, he said. You can tunnel through if you're lucky. A pause. I... It's all right, Johnny, she said. Norma... It's all right. I understand. It's all right. Her voice. He hung on to it as he turned and walked away. Found the elevator. Started away from the room. The building where she was. Started off to do his duty his duty as a slaver. The night was long, so long it could have been the night before the end of the world, the universe drawing one last deep breath before blowing out the candles and returning at last to peace and darkness and silence. Dodd spent it posted as one of the guards around the two cells where the Alberts were penned. He had plenty of time to think. And in spite of Norma, in spite of everything, he was still sure of one thing. Because he was a slaver, because he acted still as a slaver and a master, hated by the Confederation, hated by the Alberts, hated by that small part of himself which had somehow stayed clean of the foulness of his work and his life, because of all that, it was going to be very easy to die. Public Opinion 4. 
being an excerpt from a directive issued by the executive and his private council, elected and confirmed by the Confederation, and upheld by majority vote of the Senate. The directive preserved in Confederation archives and signed under date of May 21st in the year 210 of the Confederation. It is therefore directed that sufficient ships be fitted out with all modern armaments, said fitting to be in the best judgment of the competent and assigned authorities, and dispatched without delay toward the planet known as Froiling's World, both to subdue any armed resistance to Confederation policy and to affirm the status of Froiling's World as a protectorate of the Confederation subject to confederation policy and confederation judgment an act of this nature cannot be undertaken without grave thought and consideration we affirm that such consideration has been given to this step it is needless to have fear as to the outcome of this action no isolated world can stand against not only the might but the moral judgment of the confederation Arms can be used only as a last resort, but times will come in the history of peoples when they must be so used, when no other argument is sufficient to force one party to cease and desist from immoral and unbearable practices. In accordance with the laws of the Confederation, no weapons shall be used which destroy planetary mass. In general, our efforts are directed towards as little bloodshed as possible. Our aim is to free the unfortunate native beings of Froiling's world, and then to begin a campaign of re-education. The fate of the human beings who have enslaved these natives shall be left to the Confederation courts, which are competent to deal in such matters by statute, of the year 47 of the Confederation. We pledge that we shall not interfere with such dealings by the courts. We may further reassure the peoples of the Confederation that no further special efforts on their part will be called for. This is not to be thought of as a war or even as a campaign, but merely as one isolated, regretted, but necessary blow at a system which cannot but be a shock to the mind of civilized man. That blow must be delivered, as we have been advised by our counselors. It shall be delivered. The ships, leaving as directed, will approach Froiling's world, leaving the FTL embodiments and re-entering the world line within ten days. Full reports will be available within one month. In giving this directive, we have been mindful of the future status of any alien beings on worlds yet to be discovered. We hereby determine, for ourselves and our successors, that nowhere within reach of the Confederation may slavery exist under any circumstances. The heritage of freedom which we have protected and which belongs to all peoples must be shared by all peoples, everywhere. And to that end, we direct our actions and our prayers. Given under date of May 21st, in the year 210 of the Confederation, to be distributed and published everywhere within the Confederation, under our hand and seal. Richard Germont, by grace of God, Executive of the Confederation, together with his Council in Judgment assembled, all members subscribing thereto.
End of chapter 15